It means a lot. There's been a lot of guys a part of this journey with this team, and it's just been so fun to be a part of it and just do your best every day. And coach makes it a, uh, you know, it's a challenging football environment. It's pressure's always on, and for moments like this, because you got to rise to the occasion. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP online with our app, Tanner Hoops, with you in studio. Thanks for being with us on this kind of down Monday. The day after the Super Bowl, Charlie Bramer's in studio with us. Football season is in the books, and the weather's kind of reflecting that. It's icy out there. It's not snowing, necessarily. It's just a wintry mix, freezing rain, what have you. I have never been more uncoordinated than I was walking to the office today just trying to get here from the parking lot was terrifying i i mean what a moron i am i wore my summer shoes today mm. well i should have wore my hip waders from when i was fishing in alaska should have got some hip waders i should have put those on really could have used skates. yeah hip maybe hip waders with skates on or hip waders with some of those ice cleats i'm my really goodness. hungry but I don't want to go get something to eat because I am terrified to walk right. to the parking no lot. No kidding. Oh, I got some Cliff Bars, man. We can, we'll have Cliff Bars for Cliff Bars for supper. Hey, I tell you what, we're going to have to probably do it here in case uh, we might have to camp out. But either way, we'll make it work. And we got a packed show here over the next oh, hour. Oh, man. Super yeah. Bowl weekend. Right? And, and I mean, when I was first coming, coming here over the summer, Blake was having me join him. Uh, because basically all there was was baseball, mm-hmm. and I'm a big-time Brewers guy, big baseball guy, and and Blake was just, oh, he was agonizing through it, and he couldn't wait till you know, we got to this time of year when there's so much to talk about, and now here we are, and, uh, you know, the weather's terrible, but, man, I'm sure glad we made it here today to do the show. Less than two weeks till pitchers and catchers report. Baseball is right oh, around so the corner. But we've got football to break down in the Definitely. Super Bowl yesterday. Tell you what, that was one of the most underwhelming Super Bowls I've ever experienced. I'd say it was the most, even worse than 43-8, to because I'm not somebody who watches it for the commercials or the halftime show, but they add to it, and they had a lot better performances and commercials in that Super Bowl than they did last night. Oh, yeah, and uh, I loved the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, that that was um, great. Hopefully next year they get Diana Ross. Yeah. I love they're going old school with it. Mm-hmm. Gladys it. Knight was awesome. Gladys Knight was fantastic. It blew me away. I love Gladys Knight. I also love Diana Ross. But, yeah, so hopefully next year they get uh, Diana Ross. I thought those young ladies did a wonderful job with mm-hmm. uh, uh, before the Super Bowl. God Bless uh, America. With God Bless America. I thought I wasn't a big fan of the halftime show. That's no. just not really my forte. But I thought they did a good job with the pregame stuff. I thought it was better than last year. Um I know it's kind of weird, but I actually fast-forwarded through much of the commercials. I let it get ahead mm-hmm. so that I could fast-forward through the commercials because those long commercial breaks, they kill me during the Super Bowl, man. I, oh, usually I there's you. some good ones there, though. There's usually some good ones, and, and I'll see those online now. You know, like you can go back and catch them on YouTube, uh, compilation videos of the good Super Bowl ads. But uh, I was all about the game yesterday. I thought it was a great game. So you're saying you'd rather have a 48-3 to than, than the 13-3? to I would rather have a game with offense. Now, yeah, I can see that. This is the thing. You get people saying that you need to appreciate defense in football and that if you don't do so, then you're a low-IQ football no, fan. If you think no. football is stupid because 
there isn't scoring, if that was the reason that last night's Super Bowl was bad. And I appreciate defense. I get oh, yeah. that. But it's the Super yeah. Bowl, and I want right. to see 54-51 like we saw in Week 10 on Monday Night Football. I want to see that. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. It's all about a celebration at a party. I get it. I appreciate defense. I'm glad it's not a lost art in the NFL. It's ironic that a defensive game was the ender to one of the greatest offensive seasons in NFL history. Right. But you, I, I just want to see somebody score. You know, I want things to be exciting. I can appreciate defense and everything, but I also want to be excited and entertained and I don't think that makes me a low IQ football no, fan. It makes you an offensive guy. Right. You'd be an offensive coordinator. I'm a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. I always played defensive back. I've always, with with the blast, I always worked with the defensive coaches. So I'm just, I'm a defensive guy. And But there's nothing wrong with offense. I love offense. Either way, you know, I, I'm happy with it as long as the game is close. And it was, I mean, the Rams had a chance. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, that dropped pass. I can't remember who dropped the pass there. Goff dropped it right in. Yep. You know, he catches that. It's a totally different game. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised with the lack of offense, the way it was going. I thought the refs were going to start calling some pass interferences. Mm-hmm. And some, di- and they just didn't. They They did. They were calling some holds that I thought could have been let go. But, and, and I thought they were doing that to kind of get get things rolling offensively. But there was really the Rams. Goff missed some throws, mm-hmm. but there was I thought there was more than a few twenty thirty yard pass plays downfield where guys were bumping a little early. Mm-hmm. Patrick Chung uh, comes to mind. He was playing rough. Uh, Gilmore was playing rough. Obviously, they it, they were telling their boys go out there and see what you can get away with. You know, let's see what they're going to call. And they weren't calling it, so they were bumping all game. There was some fantastic defense in that game. And again, I appreciate defense, what have you. But in the Super Bowl, I want right. to be entertained. And right. thirteen to three doesn't do that for me. The other thing. Why wasn't Tony Romo looking into the future like he was? I want AFC Championship game, Romo, not that watered-down version of Romo last night. I mean, he wasn't calling plays like I was so excited for. Romo did not seem, now that you mention it, yeah, what, I guess he was watered-down Romo. Yeah. It's like they were telling him more what to say in the Super Bowl. They had him really scripted. Mm-hmm. Um I guess Pat McAfee's never going to get to call a Super Bowl <laughs> if they wanted scripted. Pat, I loved. I thought Pat McAfee did a great job Week 17 with the Packers. So, I, I think uh, McAfee and Romo would be a great. Oh my gosh. Would be a great duo, but <laughs> um, that's obviously not going to happen. Apparently, if they're going to script Romo, they'll never have McAfee doing the Super Bowl. Thirteen to three, the Patriots win over the Rams last night. They get their sixth title under Tom yep. Brady. And, Six rings for him. And Tom Brady. I've I've said it a million times, you know, him, he could easily be making over $30 million a year. Mm-hmm. I think he's somewhere in the low 20s, isn't he? Something I, like that. I think he takes about, I mean, he's taken about a 25 to 33% pay cut of quarterbacks in his, what would be in his range. Mm-hmm. His, and the Patriots can fill out their that extra $10 million in cap space is the difference between having like, um, who was it? It was Patrick Chung got hurt. Mm -hmm. Then Harmon comes in. The Packers have consistently had undrafted free agent rookies, different guys coming in, in those situations. The Patriots have Harmon come in. He has 18, he had 18 career picks, 
12 career picks in the fourth quarter. And that's the difference. They can fill out the back end of their roster because they have this extra 8 to $10 million available to dole out to veterans that the Packers just don't have. And I honestly, I think that is one of the biggest parts, the reasons why the Patriots have been able to sustain this. They've been able to bring in, you know, everybody talks about it, able to bring in the veterans. They do it better than anybody else. It's not that they do it better than anybody else. It's that they can do it, and it's because of one guy, and it's because of Tom Brady. It all starts up top with the management. And and, and the management, I don't know what, you know, there's been talk of, oh, they're they're taking, Brady's taking care of them now, and they'll take care of Brady later. I don't know how they're, I mean, with the pay cuts he's taken, Mm -hmm. I mean, you add that up all these years, five to ten million a year. For how many years has he been doing that? You know, Rogers wants every penny he can get. He's going to get every penny he can get, but it's going to hurt his chances as going down as the greatest in history. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know, you really wonder. All the guys say they want to do whatever it takes to win. Does that, does that do anything? What does that mean to you? To me, that means. Rodgers doesn't quite want to win as much as Brady. I, I don't know. what What's your take on that? Tom Brady definitely likes where he is. He likes competing for a Super Bowl every year, and he's willing to take a pay cut to do that. I mean, he's not pinching pennies or anything no. like that. I mean, And neither would Rodgers. Right. And Brady is okay with being a part of that winning culture, even if that means that he's not getting paid in the echelon along with Kirk Cousins even. Yeah, and... and, and isn't that when you really think about it, Kirk Cousins is making more money than Tom Brady, mm-hmm. and 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 people say, oh well, Brady Brady takes the pay cut because he's got the million. You know, his wife is worth so much. I think it's even more than he is. Well, look who Aaron Rodgers. Danica Patrick has got to be mm-hmm. worth about as much as Aaron Rodgers. So you know, Rodgers just isn't willing to take that pay cut. Um, and and you know, I'm not trying to cut on him. You know, good for him if he can make that money. You know, like guys, good for the guys. I want the guys to get paid, but it would help so much if Matthew Stafford would take a five to ten million dollar cut. It would help the Lions. I think that's really what has kept the Patriots going. It's it's Tom Brady on so many levels, so many levels. Tom Brady now has six rings, one for each of the quarterbacks that were taken ahead of him wow. in the 2000 draft. Chad Pennington went 18th overall. Uh, Giovanni Carmazzi got picked 65th overall by San Francisco. Chris Redmond, 75th overall by Baltimore. T. Martin got taken by the Steelers, 163rd overall. 168, New Orleans took Mark Bulger. And Spurgeon Wynn went at number 183 to the Cleveland Browns. Redmond, Pennington was a good quarterback. Injury. I but think he's not Tom Brady. No, no, Redmond had a good career. He was a backup for a long time, I think. He, Mark Bulger hung around. Mark Bulger had a good career, considering. But I've never heard of Giovanni Carmazzi. No, no, me neither. I think Sounds I, like a mafia character he, in a movie. Yeah, he was the he was a hitman in the NFL. <laughs> but I remember that name just from Madden. I just remember, you know, you remember seeing mm-hmm. crazy, you play enough Madden, you'll see the crazy. The, but that was before your time playing Madden, probably. I'm a few years older than you. Julian Edelman, though, wins the MVP. Yeah, wow. Wins what that, a deserving. Uh, he did well. He did his part. He was the best part of the offense, yep. albeit an offense that scored only 13 points. The Patriots 
have played the underdog role. They look for new ways to get motivated. I guess when you're in the Super Bowl that much, nine times like Bilicek and Brady have been together, you need new ways to stay motivated. And taking on the underdog role, although it's a little bit nauseating, I get that. Right. Although Julian Edelman actually has a case where he could be an underdog. Because if you think of everything that has happened to him and where his career started to where he is now, a quarterback that was largely overlooked coming out of college at Kent State, decided to become a wide receiver in the NFL, and look at him now. I mean, he's yep. doing stuff with Tom Brady that he couldn't do with Randy Moss and Wes Welker, and that's win a Super Bowl. Not even multiple Super Bowls. He didn't win a Super Bowl with Randy Moss or Wes Welker. Wow, that's that's really something to think about. And Julian Elman, you, know, you talk about him being an underdog. Um, I think it's funny, you know, uh, people – People think, you know, Belichick has such this uh, tough relationship with the media. It's just the way he is. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. There there are so many. He did it in, like, 2009, and then he did it in 2012, where he let the cameras. It's kind of like a hard knocks type of deal, um, where he let cameras follow him throughout the season, document um NFL Films has done multiple season-long documentaries. You know, they take the season and compress it into an hour-long documentary. And and I was watching one a few weeks ago, and it was the year Edelman was a rookie, and Amendola was hurt, and um, didn't because Amendola, Danny Amendola, was a punt returner at the time, and obviously Julian Edelman was scratching just to make the team. And uh, there's video of Danny Amendola and Bill Belichick standing there and Edelman returned a punt for a touchdown in practice. And um, Belichick said, you know, you better get out there, otherwise this guy's going to take your job. And, and you know, look what happened. I guess he didn't really take Amendola's job, but, you know, that's... He's certainly the go-to now. The, yeah, you with all these guys in the NFL, man, these... No matter, even if you're Danny Amendola, he had been a pro bowler. You know, somebody like, there's always undrafted guys looking to take your job, you know, and and uh, Amendola being injured gave Edelman the chance that he needed, and boy, has he ever done the most with it, because he really was, you know, one of them. He, like you said, he's basically the only underdog the Patriots actually have. He's the one that can stake a claim to that. We need to take a timeout, but for reference, before we go to break, There were 11 quarterbacks drafted before Julian Edelman in the 2009 draft. Matt Stafford, Mark Sanchez, Josh Freeman, Pat White, Stephen McGee, Rhett Bomar, Tom Branstetter, Brian Hoyer, John Parker Wilson, Drew Willey, and Mike Teal. Wow. And and it's crazy to think Edelman's been around for that long already. And and it says right in that 2009 documentary that one of the reasons why the Patriots wanted him is for the trick play. And he's pulled off some great trick plays mm-hmm. with his ability to throw. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. We'll take our first time out. When we come back, is Matt Patricia regretting his decision to leave the Patriots? Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Does Matt Patricia regret leaving the New England Patriots, winning championships to taking over the Detroit Lions this year? 
there's just not a whole lot of reason it seems to be positive about having Matt Patricia there. A lot of fans are already calling for his job. He may be coaching for his job in just his second season as the head coach. Oh, yeah. I must wonder if he's starting to regret his decision to leave, maybe following Josh McDaniel's footsteps. You know, he's not a head coach, but he's winning championships and he's being one of the most effective assistants in the game. I don't think I don't think a guy could possibly regret taking a head coaching position. He might regret uh, you know, he might have been able to get a different job, uh, maybe something, you know, maybe a different location, have different results. That's always hard to, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I don't think a guy could regret taking a head coaching job and trying to really make a name for himself as a head coach in the NFL. With the success he's had as a coordinator, there will always be coordinator jobs available for him, probably even back in New England eventually. You know, he thinks we go full circle. He can end up back there in New England as a defensive coordinator um, one day if he really wanted to. Um, But I think he's got a good roster in place. If they have a good draft, I think Detroit is primed to be a turnaround team this year and have a shot at making the playoffs. And if they do make the playoffs, if he can win double-digit games with the Lions this year, um, but, you know, if they go 6-10, and 10, ooh, he'll probably be out of a job. And, but I still don't think a guy would regret take you know going out on that limb, taking that risk, probably making more money. You know, I, I don't think a guy could ever regret that. Defensive coordinator job is open as of, Actually, just a couple of minutes ago, Brian Flores was just introduced as the new head coach of the Dolphins. He's already off to find a new job. I bet if Patricia really wanted to, you got to imagine that if he if he called up Belichick and or Kraft and was like, "Hey, oh, man, yeah. I want to be back," they take him. They take him right back. So um, obviously, I, th- I think that speaks right there. So you know, answers the question: Is he is he regretting his decision? He, he'll stay in Detroit and. Uh, I don't think a guy could ever regret taking a head coaching position for any team in the NFL, even if it was the Browns. I mean, you take that job. If there's a head coaching job available, you take it. Well, thinking back to the Super Bowl last night, were there any Saints fans at your Super Bowl party? Did you see anybody that was oh, I, wearing their Saints jersey, no, maybe shedding a tear? I was really lame, man. I didn't even go to the Super Bowl party. I just stayed at home and watched it. Really lame. Well, nobody in your household then is a Saints fan. No, we're all, we're all cheeseheads. All right, good, because they uh, they were serious when they said that they are going to boycott the Super Bowl. They no were kidding. serious about no kidding. not turning that thing on. The Super Bowl had a rating of 26.1 last night in New Orleans. That's the lowest of any market wow. in the country. Lowest ever in New Orleans. That is a low, low, for low rating Bowl, for yeah. Super Bowl. That's incredible. Um, and imagine, you know, hearing the chance of Brady at the end of the game um, – there was times where the crowd was breaking through, chanting Tom Brady's name. Just, it kind of seemed like he had gone from, the Patriots are going from being someone of looked at like the villains to people are starting to embrace their greatness. It mm-hmm. seems like I I used to despise the Patriots, and after watching all these documentaries that I alluded to earlier, you really start to understand what's going on with Belichick, why he is the way he is. Same thing with Brady. And I, I've really started to personally appreciate the greatness that they've achieved and continue to achieve. And and I think the general public is starting to do that more. Um, I loved it last night. Goodell just got booed right off the stage. Yeah. Um, that was fantastic. Um, it, it, 
it was it was great. Imagine if the Saints would have gone to the Super Bowl, being right there in Atlanta. Oh boy, it would have been reversed. They would have been chanting Breeze's name. Uh, that would have been full of Saints fans. I bet if if it would have been Saints Patriots, and I bet the Saints would have won. I the, I don't really see any way that the Saints wouldn't have scored at least seventeen points in that game. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. I've got my stat of the day, question of the day. And my hot take of the day. Love it. All right here. First of all, stat of the day. Wilson provides 228 footballs for the Super Bowl alone. Wow. 228 footballs used in the Super Bowl. That's your stat of the day. Your question of the day, who is the worst type of fan? The people who only watch the Super Bowl for the commercials and they really need you to know it. Like, that's fine, I guess. If you have your own prerogative, you'd aren't a football person, you think the commercials are funny, fine, you do you. But those people who are in your face about it really need you to know it. Oh, for me, there's there aren't many fans that are worse than <laughs> it, that. It, your Peter Griffin grinds your gears. It does grind my Grinding gears a little gears. bit. Or the fan who has multiple favorite teams. You know, my oh, AFC yeah. team won this weekend. My NFC team played well, but they lost. My Big Ten team did really good this weekend. My Big 12 team got smoked. Those kind of yeah, things. I don't know which one's oh, worse. It's it's the people who, no matter what, they always have a team that's doing good. So they're like always on their high horse. I if you know, I don't try to get too much into other people's business or whatever. I get people can have their own opinions on stuff, but for whatever reason, that's a trigger for me. Like I'm loyal to one fan base. When Notre Dame was four and eight, I loved them as much as this year when they made the college oh, football playoff. Yeah. They can't take pride. They can't take pleasure in one team doing no. good while their other isn't. I mean, that's not fair. You've got to be loyal to your fan base oh, yeah. and suffer through the bad years just like the rest of us. And and people give me a hard time. I've I've gotten a hard time from people for being a Packers fan up here. And they say, you know, oh, well, yeah, you're from Wisconsin. But up here, you know, you should be a Lions fan. You're in Michigan. You're just a Packers fan because they're better. You know, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I watch 150 Brewers games a year. You know how many years the Brewers were terrible? And and the Bucks were terrible for so many years, and I've stuck with them. And now, statistically speaking, they're the best team in NBA history. They're better than the 70-whatever win Warriors team, but hopefully we can get to that later. But, yeah, you got to stick with your guns. you got to stick with your teams. It used to bother me. Um, I had a good friend of mine was a Miami Heat fan, and and he's a Lions fan. He's a Miami Heat fan, and that was when LeBron was with the Heat, and I'm like, dude, you're, you know, what the heck? And But then now he's stuck with the Heat. He said, no, I was a Heat fan before, and I'll be a Heat fan after, and I wasn't really buying it at the time, but now that he's a Heat fan after, I'm like, okay, you've earned my respect. And it used to bother me just when people had – favorite teams that were out of state kind of like you got your celtics fan and all this but since you stick with your guns as long as people stick with their guns and they stick with their teams i'm okay with that guy with multiple favorite teams That's, is yeah. probably worse because you have to deal with him year round oh, you only totally. have to deal with the super bowl commercial halftime show people you only have to do that <laughs> one day one day of the Couple, year yep. and deal with them but for me that's tough to figure out who's the worst kind of fan. maybe another is uh, the type of fan who says, oh, if you don't appreciate defense, then you're not a real football fan or you don't know enough about football. And I'm like, man, I want to be entertained. I, I don't care if it's 13 to 3. That's not fun for me. And that's the, you know, that's the, there's just a, a certain amount of people out there that they have to feel like 
no matter what, they know more about the game than you do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's just so subjective. And, and, and people, people want to be like they're an expert, you know. And I feel very blessed to be able to come on to ESPN Radio and talk about sports, but I still wouldn't call myself an expert you know there is always so much more to learn even if you think you know it all there is always so much more to learn about sports so yeah you know people are like oh if you don't appreciate defense you're not a real fan and it's like well what does that even mean yeah just entertain me yeah what does that even mean man come on i tell you what this is my overreaction hot take of the day give me your thoughts on this the rams need to look into I'm not saying they need to make a move but they need to look into moving on from Jared Goff because he's really not that good of a quarterback I've never just his inconsistency that team there is so much talent on that team it makes him look better mm-hmm. and that offensive line being as I mean it's decent but having Todd Gurley and CJ Anderson and these different weapons it really makes an inconsistent quarterback look better. Mm-hmm. You know, without Todd Gurley, if they had an average running game, I don't even know if that team makes the playoffs. No. I really, I don't think they do. Well, and they invested so much into that defense, but the problem is they went all in signing guys on one or two year contracts. Yeah, a lot of what? these guys are going to be up for free yeah. agency here in a year or two. And also, how are they, they're going to run into the same problem as the Packers. How are they going to, they're going to lose all these guys. Because Goff's going to want to get paid. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's taking his team to the Super Bowl. He's going to want to be a top five paid quarterback. He's not worth it. He would be, there would be a team out there willing to give up multiple first and second rounders for him. And I think the Rams would be better going that route. If I were the Rams, I would rather have Case Keenum at quarterback. Because he's shown that you can put good pieces around him. And he just has to be okay and make the plays he needs to. And he can win you ball games. And how funny is that? Because of course Case Keenum was the Rams quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, but I I can't remember. I'm not sure what uh, Goff is going to have two more years on his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. I believe. Obviously, they could pick up the fifth year option, but usually with quarterbacks like that, they'll pay them before that fifth year option. So they've got a couple more years of financial flexibility. But like you said, they've really went out on a limb. Marcus Peters, Akib Talib, some of these guys, and Dominican Sue, th- after paying Aaron Donald and Jared Goff, that's their Clay Matthews, that's their Aaron Rodgers. They're going to have a hard time. You know, Todd Gurley is, he's obviously getting paid, so that's their Jordy Nelson. Their, so, right, you know, now they're really getting thin financially, and I don't know how they're going to keep that roster filled out. Unless they do exactly what you just said and move on with from Jared Goff. Here's what I would do if I were the Rams, or at least what I would look into doing. Jared Goff, his stock isn't going to get much higher. They're not going to be a Super Bowl team next year. They'll still be pretty good, but they're going to have a lot of guys that they're not going to be able really? to bring back financially. Frankly, frankly, were they a Super Bowl team this year? Well, I don't, technically. Technically, but... Yeah, I think we both I, I know agree the saying. Saints were better. They were, they yeah. were. And credit Brian Flores, he won a Super Bowl last night. He has a new job less than 24 hours later. He had a great defensive game plan last night, but you can't tell me that he would have held Drew Brees to three points in no, the Super Bowl. No, absolutely night. not. The, the, the Saints would have won that game, I think. I mean, you hold Tom Brady to 13 points, you're giving yourself a real shot to win. And just to throw this out there, this whole Goff thing, this whole... 
you know, should should the Rams move on from him or not. Um, this is not just because of last night's game. No. This is his career in general. I mean, he really is not that good of a quarterback. No, the Rams beat the Packers earlier this year, but that was a close game, and it was Todd Gurley that put the nail in the coffin. It was not. It was Todd Gurley, it was Indomitian Sue, and it was Aaron Donald Brockers. It was the defense and Todd Gurley that beat the Packers. Jared Goff had nothing to do with it. I think he actually threw a couple picks, which the Packers don't pick off anybody anymore. So that says a lot. Before we go to break, this is what I'd look into doing if I were Stan Kroenke and I were the front office for the Los Angeles Rams. I don't think Jared Goff's stock is going to get any higher. No. He's on a rookie deal. I might look at trading high, you know, sell high, buy low. Nick Foles just got franchise tagged. They're looking to move him. And that's so funny. Just, I was just going to say, mm-hmm. move on from him, get a ton of picks, bring in Nick Foles. Yeah, I'm not saying trade him to Philadelphia. I think two yeah. separate deals would be the it way would, to go. It would have to be two mm-hmm. separate deals, yes, definitely. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. When we come back, the lost art of the big back. There's a pattern going on among Super Bowl teams. Plus, we look ahead to next season and who's got a shot at heading to Super Bowl 54. Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Bottom of the hour, here is your Sports Center update. The Kansas City Chiefs have identified the fan who flashed a laser pointer in Tom Brady's face during the AFC Championship game. The fan has been banned from Arrowhead Stadium, and he's facing potential criminal charges. Southern Miss is set to interview former Baylor head coach Art Bryles for their vacant offensive coordinator job. My only question is why? I know he's smart, but why? Why would you want that baggage to come to your school? (laughs) And finally, Bud Light has officially said goodbye to one of the most iconic mascots, the Bud Knight. He was killed off during a Super Bowl commercial that crossed over into the Game of Thrones universe. That makes me so sad because I loved the Bud Knight. I loved any commercial with him. You like the Dilly Dilly? Yeah, I miss that. They're doing away with Dilly Dilly too. They crossed over into Game of Thrones, which I don't even watch, so I've never watched a Game of Thrones episode in my life. I didn't get the commercial. I don't like that. I don't like this move. I miss the Bud Knight. Well, who would they? They all used to have dogs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they didn't kill off the dogs. The dogs just got old. But bring back the dogs. They all had what? Um, like Stroh's had a dog. They all had dogs. I loved the in the late '90s. They were all making hilarious commercials, and it was like a competition who could make the funnier commercial. You know, Miller Coors, Bud, um, and obviously a lot of the. A lot of the like Strohs and stuff they've mm-hmm. been bought up by other breweries, but but yeah, it is kind of sad when when there's an iconic. It, it's just like the the Brewers move, moving on. It's not going to be Miller Park in a few years. It's going to be American Family Insurance. Blah blah blah. Big L. On yeah, that name. right. And and when when stuff like that happens and and when iconic, the brand is still going to be there. Mm-hmm. But it's like the brand is changing. It just kind of leaves an empty hole. And, I mean, you know what I mean. I, I missed it last night. Did Budweiser have any horse commercials? I didn't. I, I was. Didn't see I fast forward most of them. I, I'm pretty sad when I mean, it comes to watching. I watched a few them. of the commercials. I, you know, would go up and use the bathroom, get something to eat, right. you know, during breaks. So I didn't see all of them. But those horse commercials worked for Budweiser. I don't know if they didn't bring those back. Or which should happen first? Bud brings back horses 
or Bud Light brings back the Bud Knight. Or, or maybe have a little bit of all of them. Mm-hmm. Throw a little bit of all of them in there. Do what Geico's doing. Mm. Just have the best of. They have That's the caveman right. back. They got, mm-hmm. they got all of them back. I love it. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. The lost art of the big back. The guy who can carry the load for you. Let's face it. I was as effective as Todd Gurley for the Rams in these playoffs. He was almost non-existent. I don't know what was going on there, but there has to be more to that story than they're letting on. But C.J. Anderson was the one who was working for that team. He was the right. he was the key going he, forward through these playoffs. And he's kind of like a hybrid. He's kind of half fullback, half halfback. He's got the body of a fullback, but he runs extremely well. He kind of reminds me of LeGarrette Blunt. Each of the Super Bowls, dating back to 2013, has had either C.J. Anderson or LeGarrette Blunt. These guys who run okay, you know, they run well for their size, but they're big bruiser backs, and everybody wants to focus on guys like Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, and the guys who are going to dominate the highlight reel. But when you got a red zone back like that, it pays off, and that's exactly what we've seen over the last six seasons now, where one of those two, Blunt or Anderson, has been a part of a Super Bowl team. 2013, Anderson when he was with the Broncos, then the next year, LeGarrette Blunt with the Patriots. Anderson again with the Broncos in 15, then Blunt for two different teams in 16 and 17, Patriots first, then the Eagles, and then C.J. Anderson back this season. And you hit the nail absolutely on the head. It's because these guys can score in the red zone. That is so crucial. Playoff football, who can punch it in in the end zone? They can score in the red zone, and they don't turn the ball over. They do not fumble. They do not make mistakes in pass protection. It is fundamental football to a T, and that is why these guys have such success going to the Super Bowls, helping literally coming out of nowhere at the end of the season and helping carry their teams. You get these offenses where they want to throw the ball they want to spread you out maybe west coast style they want to invest in speed backs but once it gets down to it you're going to want to have one of these guys who can carry the load for you and be able to break through a defensive line once you're stacked on the goal line yeah totally and it's kind of surprised me where is eddie lacy because he was that guy he didn't fumble too much and he was a bruiser i thought he would i i thought he would stick with the team as a number two or number three back and I thought his value from week 10 on would really just just go up a few notches every week through, through the end of the season. But, you know, I guess he hasn't been able to stay in shape. Let's look ahead to next season. Football season just do ended, it. but let's look ahead. Totally. By the way, Packers and Bears are announced as the Thursday night kickoff game. First nice. game of the regular season. The Super Bowl winning team's not going to be involved in it, but I like that matchup. Yeah, and, and well, that's kind of a first for a long time. It always was. The team who won the Super Bowl mm-hmm. was involved with the Week One starter game, um, and that that always made for a great game. That 2011 uh, Packers Saints game is one of the best football games I've ever seen. Uh, Randall Cobb taking the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. I mean, that just set the tone for mm-hmm. that season. But yeah, it it, it it's kind of strange. Um, it's nice to see the Packers Bears rivalry start to come back, though. That's going to be good for the NFL in general. Uh, 
I guess it was such a great game week one last year. They're looking for another great game week one next year. Well, and they are the two oldest franchises in the NFL, am I right? In saying I, that, and, I believe so. And the NFL's turning 100 years old this year, so that, that, that's probably and, a good staple. Yeah, and the Packers are 100 years old, so mm-hmm. they turned 100 years old this last season, so definitely didn't go as planned. Either way, looking ahead to the future, way too early Super Bowl odds for next season came out. Right now, the Chiefs have the best chance of anybody to win the Super Bowl next season. The thing is, though, New England's going to be right back in this situation. No doubt. They will be, especially when you look at how they're going to draft this season. Out of the top 100 picks in the upcoming draft, New England's got five of them. They've got five top 100 picks coming up. Their number one overall pick from last year is coming back from an injury, Isaiah Wynn. There you go. And they play in the AFC East. Right. This team's going to go 14-2 and two next year, aren't they? <laughs> it's looking like it. Packers-Patriots Super Bowl next year. Mm. Let's do it. You look around the NFL, and this came up last week, and I just wanted to touch on it briefly. Jason Garrett, his contract won't be extended wow. by Jerry Jones, so he is essentially going to be a lame duck coach next season. Don't He'll see be a lot coaching of that. for his job. Yep. So if he wants to get extended pass next year, he's got to start coaching up to Cowboys standards. What is that, though? Because they made the divisional round of the NFC playoffs this year. Does it mean reaching the conference championship game? Is it going to take getting to a Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl for Jerry Jones to want to resign him? I mean, this is a big step for Jerry Jones. Finally starting to feel some pressure to make a move on Jason Garrett. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think the Cowboys need to do in order to bring him back as head coach? It's surprising. I think we were all pretty convinced that after that playoff loss, I mean, Garrett seemed so chipper. It was like Jones had already told him, you're going to get a deal. Mm -hmm. He apparently thought he was getting a deal. It seemed like it. I don't know. Maybe he was just trying to be a beat for his players. Uh, But I would say, you know, if I'm comparing it to like a Mike McCarthy situation, it would be, yeah, he'd have to stay. He w- he would have to take a step further into the playoffs next year to be retained. But honestly, knowing how the how the Cowboys are, if he makes the playoffs next year, he'll probably get an extension. You think that they could lose in the wild card round? Take a step, one step back, even though they make the playoffs back to back for the first time since '96. Do you think? Jerry Jones would bring him back. I guess it depends. You know, are they sneaking into the playoffs at nine and seven, mm-hmm. or, or are they are they winning their division at twelve and four? Uh, you know that that right there would would probably be the difference in 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 that scenario. But I think if they go twelve and four and lose, you know, in in uh, the divisional round. Uh, you know, if they get a first round buy, if they can clinch a first round buy in the regular season, I think that would get them an extension. Just knowing how Jerry Jones has done it in the past, it seems like Garrett's not going to have to do quite as much as another coach would have to. Like Patricia this year is going to have to take, like we were saying, he's going to have to take big steps forward, get double digit wins to be retained. I think if Garrett does just about what he did last year, he'll get an extension. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. We'll take our last time out. We'll touch on this year's NFL Hall of Fame class and then dive into the NBA when we come back in the sports pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Thanks for being with us. 230 years ago, George Washington was elected president. 
I know that's not sports related, but that is your on this day highlight. Two hundred thirty years ago, we got our first president elected. It seems like it should have. Two hundred thirty years really isn't that long. No, it seems like that's such a long time ago. He was, you know, they were making this country great, and it really wasn't that long ago. Looking at this weekend's NFL Hall of Fame class, because despite the NBA dominating headlines, and they really won Super Bowl weekend, they pulled that out from the NFL. We oh, have a yes. brand new class that includes Ed Reed, Tony Gonzalez, Gil Brandt, Ty Law, Pat Bowler, and Champ Bailey. And were you surprised by any of those? I was a little surprised. But, I mean, Champ Bailey, the 12th Pro Bowl, mm. you can't go wrong there. Obviously, no. Ed Reed, most interception return yards league history. The guy Johnny Robinson, he was a three-time All-Pro. Mm. I'm not really sure. That was a little surprised. That was probably... Obviously, Tony Gonzalez can't go wrong there. No. It seems like they always induct a general manager and an owner. Mm -hmm. uh, th this fellow, Pat Bolin, he was the owner for the Broncos in the 90s when they were their dynasty. Um, all in all, I think it's a pretty good class. And, of course, Ty Law, who may be yeah. the one who started this Patriot dynasty. Right? Yeah, Ty Law. I, uh, I mean, and Kevin... Mau Maui, Maui. Mm -hmm. I always forget. I've seen him. You know, obviously, I watched him play a lot, and I it's it baffles me how I can't remember some of these guys' names. Um, but he was the center behind thirteen thousand yard rushers. That's just that is paving the way, man. You look at a few of the other stories that flew under the radar a little bit because of the Super Bowl. And because of the NBA, DeAndre Francois, quarterback at Florida State, dismissed from the program. A wow, video surfaced yes. on Instagram on Saturday. His girlfriend accused him of domestic violence. And you don't see anything. It's all audio, yeah. but you can hear. And it's not the first time he's been accused of this. So I give Willie Taggart a ton of credit. Head coach there at Florida State. They did the right thing. They kind of got a bad rep, that Florida State football program. Willie Taggart struggled this year, his first year as head coach down there, but he's trying to change the culture and change their image yeah. down there. Took the right steps in this one. Yeah, they didn't want to go. I mean, Jameis Winston, basically, I mean, there, I don't think there was a video associated with him, but there was similar allegations. Um, they want to stop this. They want to get ahead of this one. But he's such a young man. Um you know, with me, part of it comes up. It's what are they going to do to help this kid, you know? And because it's not for him, but it's for he's going to have another girlfriend in the future. Or maybe it'll be his current girlfriend. Who knows if they stay, you know, who knows. But he's going to have other relationships. And what is Florida State, that coaching staff, it's not about football. It's about making these guys, turning, taking them from young men to being grown men and what are they going to do to help him take that step and understand you know he apparently doesn't understand what's okay and what's not okay and um what are they going to do to really help him take that next step as a human being it do they owe him that obviously not but it would just look really good I, maybe you know i don't i don't see why they got to kick him out of school um Maybe give him some, obviously kick him off the football team. You know, you're not playing football. Well, that um, helped, I think, in a, in a right? large part. Is that Willie Taggart sent a yeah. message that that's not the kind of attitude or behavior right? that 
a college football player should have. And put him on probation from the school, um, suspend him from school, make him take classes. Say, if you take so many hours of this class and do this and that and see a therapist, whatever, then we'll offer you to come back to school at least if you want to come back to school. But do something to try and get this kid to become a man, you know, and and just just booting him to the curb. I, I don't know if that really does that. Maybe it does. Maybe it'll be his well, wake-up call. you can't keep him on the team. No, you certainly can't keep him on the team. But maybe give him some incentive to come back to school and, and like I said, suspend him until he takes, you know, appropriate measures that they feel would be appropriate to him improving himself as a person. And uh, then maybe he can come back to school and at least get a degree. Um, I just don't want this to ruin the young man's life, and I don't want it to make him angrier. And and I want something positive to come out of this negative. And I just don't see how booting him to the curb really does that. I see what you're saying, Yeah, but I don't feel a bit sorry for him. No, I definitely don't feel sorry for him. If anything, I feel sorry for people he'll have relationships with in the future unless he can get help. Let's switch to the NBA, though, because we're running out of time. Luka Doncic continues to what do his player. thing. Man, he's going to be rookie of the year. I still feel oh, like yeah. he should have been an all-star. I can't really say there was anybody in the Western Conference that was undeserving that he should have taken their place. I just think he's good enough to be an all-star. What is the deal with the Mavericks pulling off these draft day trades? Mm-hmm. They stole Dirk Nowitzki from the Bucks. It should have been Dirk Nowitzki, Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson, and Sam Cassell all on the same team. The Bucks would have won an NBA championship. They traded Dirk Nowitzki for Tractor Trailer. And, and 20 years later, they're pulling off the same scams and getting Luka Doncic. I mean... The, the Mavs, man. Mark Cuban. He can, he can swing some deals, draft day deals. Tell you what, Doncic on Friday night, he became the seventh player in NBA history to score 1,000 points before he turned 20 years old. The only other players to do it, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Carmelo Anthony, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Dwight Howard. Wow. Pretty good company. Very good company. And, and um, you know, if he can stay healthy... He, I mean, he, he, he'll be a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. He's got all the skills. It's there. Um, I, I'm blown away. There's some stuff with the Bucks that that's just blown me away that I'd like to touch on. Thon Maker requesting a trade. Did you hear about this? Mm-hmm. What? 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 Why would he want to leave Milwaukee? What do you think's going on here? Well, I don't know if he's doing anything to be honest to help Milwaukee win. I mean. I, I go back to high school, and I think there was a guy who moved into my school district, and he just looked like a total baller. Moved in from, like, Los Angeles or something. I was thinking this kid is going to drop double-doubles and everything. I see him play for the first time, and he's like the ninth guy off the bench. Oh, yeah. We've it's all like, seen guys like that. It makes me physically mad when a guy looks athletic and he's not. Right. And that's kind of what the Bucks have right now with Thon Maker. He looks like he should be dominating the NBA. I just don't know why he isn't. Well, and that's the thing. I Apparently, Thon Maker believes that if he was traded to the right situation, he would be a very good big. He'd be shooting in the upper 30s um, from three-point range, and he'd be getting 
he'd be able to protect the paint for his team. He runs the floor well. He had the highest vertical leap of anybody over 6'11 at the scouting combine in NBA history. There are so many different things. The Bucks only have Brooke Lopez on a one-year deal, and they already picked up the option on Thon Maker's rookie contract. So I, I, it was always in my mind Brooke Lopez is bridging this this uh, development gap between Thon Maker and and Thon Maker can be Brooke Lopez for the Bucks next year. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm hoping that that can work out. When I see Thon on the on the sidelines, he's still very engaged with his teammates. He seems very happy. You know, they're winning. Um, I think people kind of forget how hard the Bucks played the Raptors. What was it? Uh, 2015, 2016 in the playoffs. Thon Maker played outstanding in the playoffs those years. Um, I think he feels like this. Sh- he should play. Obviously, have a bigger role in this team. Uh, he played really well in the playoffs last year for the Bucks too, and and I think he's disappointed in that. But I think if he would just simmer down and and be a little more willing to learn, I think next year would really be his year. Um, the Bucks, they, they just don't have the minutes to go around right now. There are guys like Pat Connaughton dropped 18, and, and, on, and he can do that any given night. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, he's had 12 DNPs in the last month. Um, Brooke Lopez is about to become the first player in NBA history to average two blocks and over two made threes a game. The Bucks are about to set an NBA record for best two-point field goal percentage for a season. Um they have the best defense in the NBA. They're the best rebounding team. There's so many different things. It, it, maybe if they weren't the best rebounding team, maybe if they weren't getting the, they lead the league in blocks. Maybe if they weren't leading the league in blocks, you could say, okay, maybe we could play Thon a little here. But you can't mess with with what's going on here. You can't mess with it. Net rating wise, the Bucks are better than any Warriors team has ever been. I, I, it's really blowing my mind how under the radar this team is going. Obviously, they're not going to win 70 games this year, but is that what it takes to be looked at as an all-time great team? If they can come close to 60 wins, I mean, they're playing in a tough, tough Eastern Conference right now, and they blew out the Wizards the other day, and the Wizards have been playing really well since John Wall was hurt. They that score against the Raptors last week looked a lot closer than it was. The Bucks blew out the Raptors, and I don't think there's anybody in the Eastern Conference that's going to be able to. I, I'm, I'm sure you got to think the Celtics have a chance, but I don't think there's anybody in the Eastern Conference that are going to be able to hang with the Bucks come playoff as long as they stay healthy. With that, we are out of time. Oh, I really wanted to hear what you had to say about the Celtics. Well, I'm a little conflicted right now. Kyrie Irving, man, I just want this drama to be over. Right. I know the NBA loves it, but I'm ready to put all this behind You know, myself as a Boston fan. It was a fun win yesterday. I think they're starting to figure things out. Great game. It was a great game, and Kyrie showed how valuable he is he there sure in the last did. five minutes. As good as Harden shooting the ball right now, Kyrie's got to be the best finisher in the NBA. Yep, and, and just one last thing. Would you like the Celtics, if they could, would you want them to trade for AD? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Good Good absolutely. Move. As long as you don't give up Tatum or Brown, maybe maybe not smart either. 
I think they'd have to give up one of those guys. And I'd I think Smart would be the one. Rozier. Rozier? Okay, yeah. I could live without Terry Rozier. Rozier and some picks? I think they could Because he's done. good enough. He could be playing point guard for a lot of teams in the NBA. He's just not going to get minutes over Kyrie. Right. It, it's a, it's like a Thon deal in Milwaukee. Yep. So. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. Thanks for being here as always. Drive safe out there, man. It's slick. Thank you so much, Tanner. I was so glad to be here. And great week of sports. Hope we have another great week. And I'm looking forward to next time. I'm already looking forward to next year's Super Bowl. And hopefully it's a game <laughs> that's more exciting than what we have, where I don't at least have to learn both teams' punters' names. Right. Above well, anything. the Packers will be in it. It'll be a great game, buddy. That's it for us here on the Sports Pen. For Charlie Bramer, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for tuning in on ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.